This jingle was written by my dear friend and today's guest, Paul Hoffman. Crazy thing is this. He made millions off of this one jingle. Pretty cool, yes? But there is a shadow side sometimes that comes with fast and big wealth. For Paul and many others, this showed up as addiction. Cocaine, alcohol, fast living. Maybe you know someone who is stuck in the throes of addiction. Now, addiction comes in all shapes and sizes, yes? It can show up by way of substances or drugs or alcohol or coffee or sugar or relationship or sex or social media or exercise. You name it, addiction is everywhere. I truly believe that each and every one of us has some level of addiction we are managing. The key is this. Will you face it and own it and do something about it or ignore it forever, allowing it to lurk in the background silently running your life, numbing out from what is most meaningful and most hurtful the same? Not feeling is no replacement for reality. Your problems today are still your problems tomorrow. This powerful quote from Samantha Gluck at thehealthyplace.com. Maybe you know this, but maybe you don't. Coca-Cola contained up to 9 milligrams of cocaine in each bottle from its introduction in 1886 until 1903. Wild, right? It was once incorporated into many medical applications, including as a remedy for chlorella and a treatment for morphine addiction, plus a thousand other uses. Even Sigmund Freud published a very favorable medical analysis of the drug called Uber Coca. From the late 1800s until the 1900s, cocaine was widely available in the U.S. without any restrictions. It is the second most smuggled drug into the U.S. It wasn't until 1922 that the Narcotic Drugs Import and Export Act forbade the importation of cocaine and cocaine-containing products. By then, however, many thousands of people were hooked. Some of the biggest celebrities we all know and love have had their lives shaped and warped from this powerful and highly addictive drug. I spoke about the late Robin Williams' cocaine abuse in episode 4 with Barnett Bain and how it created and sped up Parkinson's for him, ultimately, as some believe, driving him to suicide. Give a listen to episode four where Barnett shares from his deep heart about his experience with Robin and the impact he had on his life. The side effects are brutal with use and abuse of anything for prolonged time. And yes, even coffee. Everything that creates some sort of neurochemical response in your body will generate some sort of impact. In the short run, it's no problem. Again, picking on coffee for a minute. But adrenal fatigue is a very real thing that so many people experience, and they have no idea they are in total adrenal fatigue as they keep pounding their adrenals with more coffee. Not good. Is this you? Or maybe addicted to something somewhere in your life? It's crazy to me how I see people who are a total train wreck until they have their coffee. How many people do you know say this in the morning? I need my coffee before anything. (laughs) Let me ask you, do you think this is healthy or normal? I freaking don't. This seems like pure addiction to me. Poison though caffeine is, you do still develop an addiction to this stuff. And it's a real physiological addiction, not a wimpy psychological addiction like people claim for video games and the internet. But caffeine isn't heroin. Rapid withdrawal won't kill you. It might make you cranky and give you a wicked headache. But since caffeine releases dopamine to make you happy and it gets rid of headaches, there's really no reason to ever stop using this stuff. 
this from coffee, the greatest addiction ever. Now, as it says in the clip, dopamine is released when you drink coffee. A good thing, yes? But it also can be very addicting, just like cocaine. Massive amounts of dopamine are released when using most drugs. The point is this. Anything, in my humble opinion, if used but not abused is just fine. It's when it becomes a daily use or abuse or a crutch or something you need to survive through the day. Mornings can be tough when you have adrenal fatigue. Trust me, I know. I had it for years. This taken from the AdrenalFatigueSolution.com website. The temptation to have just one caffeine hit to get you going can be hard to squash. But if you're a regular coffee drinker, you'll already know that as that initial surge of energy wears off, that innocent espresso can leave you feeling even more tired and crabby than you did when you woke up. This is because caffeine stimulates neuron activity in the brain. Each time you drink a cup of coffee, neurons send messages to your pituitary gland, which in turn alerts your adrenals to pump out adrenaline and cortisol. In short, caffeine instantly puts you into fight or flight mode. If you're drinking several cups a day, it's likely your whole nervous system is on constant red alert without you even knowing it. Like any drug, regular caffeine consumption can lead to a need for increasingly larger doses in order to produce the same effect. Just like cigarettes and alcohol, cutting out caffeine can cause unpleasant withdrawal symptoms, which can initially make your adrenal fatigue feel even worse. If you need to drink coffee for energy or experience withdrawal symptoms such as headaches or irritability when you try to give it up, this addictive stimulant may already have the hold of you. For anyone with adrenal fatigue, the cycle of energy boost followed by a huge crash is one of the worst patterns you can establish when it comes to managing your adrenal exhaustion. Now, I'm not one to shy away from experimenting with things. I'm sure as a listener to this podcast, you've heard me share of my drug and medicine use in one or more of them. I've used pretty much every drug under the sun and even abused some. The one I most abused was alcohol and MDMA, or its street name, Ecstasy. Here's the thing. It wasn't until I learned to feel and face all of my feelings and dragons that I was able to sober up. And sometimes for months or even years, not touching a thing except for the occasional Advil to squelch a headache. I will say that my exploration into all types of drugs and medicine was worth it. I've learned and grown so much from having the courage to dive head into my stories and blow my paradigm wide open into new levels of awareness and love. For our ego grips on so tightly to all good things, all bad things, and anything it chooses. And it sometimes takes a powerful medicine or substance to knock it off its soapbox long enough to hear and shift. Know what I mean? Now, I'm not saying that you should use drugs or drink alcohol or coffee on the regular. But what I am saying is that you should stay open and curious about what your behavior and resistance is to any and all things. For example, you might be judging me for my use of ecstasy. But do you drink coffee every morning to get through the day? Something to think about. Welcome to the Face Your Dragon podcast, where we help you, a messenger with a mission, leverage your fear to amplify your voice in the world. On the show, we open up the concept that what you are most afraid of and most resisting are the very things that will set you free. With courage, with clarity, with contribution, you can have it all. This show will engage in deep, enriching conversation with thought leaders, best-selling authors, celebrities, athletes, icons, and regular Joes who have faced their fear and are now using it to create impact in the world. I'm Brad Axelrad, and I'll be your host. 
22 years ago, in the grips of what seemed to be an insurmountable drug and alcohol addiction, Paul Hoffman had gone from being a successful multimillionaire to hitting rock bottom. Paul now teaches principles on how to produce success by helping people create a mindset of success he calls these momentum mindsets. As a speaker, some of the people he shared the stage with are T.R. Becker, Jack Canfield, the Dalai Lama, and many other titans. For the last 25 years as a transformational musician, he's been composing and producing music for internationally acclaimed speakers, best-selling authors, Fortune 500 corporations, commercials, films, television, and radio. His success songs brand are human development strategies that are delivered in empowering songs and are sold in over 50 countries for some of the biggest names in transformation. Give a warm, open-hearted listen to this champion as he shares. Paul Hoffman, it's great to have you on the Face Your Dragon podcast, my friend. Welcome. Hey, man. It's awesome to be here, Brad. Thank you so much for uh, the opportunity to not only share in your brilliance, but to uh, have a dialogue with you to see how we can change the planet, man. Yeah, buddy. That's what it's all about at this stage of the game. Self-indulgence doesn't serve us anymore. I know you know that well. and curious to actually start there because I know some of your story. Gosh, I guess I've known you probably close to 10 years at this point. But the thing that sticks out for me the most, have you driven a Ford lately and what came after that? You know, you had great success. You created Have You Driven a Ford Lately, that jingle. And if I remember right, you were making almost a million dollars a year from that, if you don't mind me sharing that. Well, you and, already did, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that created a whole sort of shitstorm in your life. Awesome opportunity, but also a lot of addiction. Do you care to share about that? Absolutely. Yeah. And just to clarify, I didn't. it wasn't a million, although I was in the jingle business for many years and that was probably the most famous one that I wrote, Have You Driven a Ford Lately, which most people, when I sing it to them, know it. And then, of course, they start singing it for the rest of the day and they get pissed off at me. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So what happened to me is, you know, I got very successful in the jingle business, made all this freaking money. And then I kind of got into cocaine and alcohol. And I mean, I started off as most people do, which is, you know, you kind of like dabble in it. But at the end of my using... I had a $2,500 a week cocaine habit and a fifth of vodka a day is what I drank just to level out. And, you know, amongst other things. But, you know, and I had that habit for, you know, Brad, I want to say uh, close to almost 15 years. And then it finally caught up to me. You know, as I say, I was one of the top five people doing that kind of work when I was doing it in the 80s. And then at the end of my run, nobody wanted to work with me anymore because I was totally impossible to work with. I would very self-centered, very, very much uh, not really concerned about anybody else's feelings or cared about whatever their needs might be. But it was all about me and how I was going to feed my habit, which is really what addiction is. You know, and the other side of addiction, of course, is that the reason you do things that are addictive is that you're trying to avoid something. And, you know, I was trying to avoid my success. You know, I was totally self-taught as far as playing music and writing music. And, you know, there was a point in it sometimes where I felt like I was a fraud because, you know, I was working with people who were like Juilliard graduates and very accomplished musicians. And, you know, they were playing my jingles and the stuff that I wrote. And here I am trying to tell them what to do. And, you know, I kind of got into a whole, uh, you know, I'm not good enough, if you will. And the drugs and alcohol were able to mask over that and allow me just to continue to do what I had to do until I finally did too much of the drugs and alcohol to where... On November 14th of 1988, which was the last day I ever used cocaine or any kind of drug, I had a psychotic episode where I woke up that morning and I was living in New York City, 
in the West Village, and my I was married at the time, and my wife and mother-in-law were going to go out and have uh, some shopping that day, and I was going to meet them for uh, dinner around five o'clock. And I did what I normally do every day back then when I was uh, not working anymore. I got up, I scored some cocaine, I bought some vodka, and I basically snorted cocaine and drank vodka all day. Had a blackout, woke up around noon in my apartment, and I looked across my uh, living room, and there was a guy sitting at my living room table that had no legs. Now, this was obviously an hallucination, but I was having a conversation with him all day until four o'clock came around when I looked at my watch and I said, hey, man, I got to get you out of my apartment. He said, well, how am I going to do that? And I said, yeah, that's a good point. And I looked around my apartment. I saw that my bike was in the foyer of the apartment. And I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to run to a hardware store. I'm going to buy some chains and fasteners and like an erector set kind of thing. I'm going to build you this apparatus on my bike with hand pedals give you the bike and get you out of here. What do you think? And he said, I think that's a great idea. And so I ran, I don't know, 15 or 16 blocks. I don't even know how I found the hardware store in pouring rain, dodging traffic in New York City, cold and rainy, bought about $500 in chains and fasteners, came home, put them on my living room floor. And I'm very organized. So I, you know, laid them all out, screws here, nuts here, so forth and so on. And I couldn't, I didn't have a screwdriver. So I tore the apartment apart found the screwdriver. My wife and mother-in-law walked in and asked me what I was doing. And of course, I told them I was building this apparatus to get this guy out of my house. This guy and, with no legs. You told him it's a person with no legs and the yeah, whole deal. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so they called a friend of mine who had been sober for a long time under the guise that he was going to take me to St. Vincent's Hospital because I was actually, I mean, obviously I was having some kind of a breakdown. So he comes up, uh, we go to the hospital. I'm sitting in an emergency room and I'm telling the doctors, listen, man, there's nothing wrong with me. There's this guy in my house. We got to get him out. And after four hours, they put me in a straitjacket and took me to the 14th floor psych ward. I don't think you've ever told me this part of the story, brother. This is no joke. What happened next, man? Next was I got, went to the psych ward. You know, you remember the, the movie uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Oh, yes. Well, that's what it was. It was like the Thorazine Shuffle. So I remember, though, Brad, it was interesting. You know, the other thing about addiction, bro, and the shame that's part of it, which I had, and the hiding, the lying, this cheating, all that stuff, man which you do because you, you, know, you need to, A, put a, a good face forward, but you know that you know, you're sliding down a slippery slope, man. And so I remember waking up the next morning, bro, and the first thing out of my mouth was, thank God I don't have to do this anymore. But I, I knew that for a long time anyway, you know? And so I ended up getting up, you know, getting my meds, spending two weeks at the hospital, St. Vincent's Hospital in New York City, detoxing because they were afraid I was going to go into convulsions because I was so addicted. And then I went to a 30-day rehab, man. And then, you know, I, I reinvented my life. And what year was that that you did? 1988. 88. Okay. Yeah. And so I got out of the rehab, man. And I didn't know what I was going to do, Brad. I was just really happy to be alive. And uh, ended up not working for another year, okay? Just going to treatments and meetings and stuff to try to, to keep my sobriety and, and you know, the, the path that I was now on. Because I, I, I mean, I was done, man. I had enough. And uh, after a year, the end of 89, I moved here to California, still married. Again, I didn't know what I was going to do, man. But, you know, music was the only thing I really knew what to do. I mean, I, that's how I made my money. So I ended up starting a company out here in uh, L.A. Within a year, I was uh, back up making over a million bucks a year in the jingle world. But present, you know what I mean? And then, you know, after a, a little while, I moved into what I do now. 
Well, let's stay with this for a second. The addiction side is really part of the Facer Dragon brand. A lot of what I talk about is when we're not living our purpose or what Gay Hendricks in episode two refers to as our zone of genius, will tend to have some way to distract ourselves or be addicted. We just simply can't be with ourselves. We can't feel good. So we have to somehow screw something up in our lives or what I like to say, chasing the dragon. So there's facing your dragon and also chasing the dragon, which of course comes from the, the opium dens, you know, way back when. And the second hit's never as good as the first hit, right? Well, that's very true, man. I yeah. mean, you never get as high again like you did on the first time. That's exactly right. So we're just chasing this high and exactly. you know, and we can do that in our lives, even in sober situations, we can do it. So we've got to just sort of, like you said, get present, right? We've got to be present to what we're, why we're doing it. What's our driver? What's our compulsion? That's what I always look at. What's the, the gap between stimulus and response? So to that point, you know, now that you're sober, that defining moment kind of created a new perspective for you and then like what was the shift for you that happened once that moment of awareness and sobriety kind of hit now you're feeling all of your feelings and you're sober what was present for you then well what was present was feeling all my emotions you know i realized you know i mean as i look back and i'm constantly like you bro i'm constantly working on myself man you know because i tell all my clients you know if you're waiting for things to be perfect you're going to be waiting a long time because if things were perfect you'd have nothing to work on and the truth of the matter is is that once I got out of the mindset, you know, and I teach mindset, the whole mindset of why I was doing what I was doing, which I said earlier, which to me, as I reflect on it, was all about trying to avoid my feelings and avoid facing the issues that I needed to work on so I could become the whole complete person that Paul is. I mean, there's nothing that I needed to fix, Brad. I just needed to become aware, okay, and recognize my character defaults and my shadows, my dark shadows, and be able to deal with them and say, hey, man, that's just part of your life. That's just part of your makeup. That doesn't define who you are. That doesn't define the circumstances of your life. What it does is it gives you an opportunity to be clear to see who you truly are. And so once I got clear on that stuff, you know, the defining moment for me was to be able to realize that you know, I looked back, Brad, at all the things that I did. And, you know, I encourage people that I train and coach to do this. You know, I look back at all the things I did and I said to myself, man, I've done some amazing freaking things. I mean, I wrote, have you driven a Ford lately? I mean, that's pretty amazing. You know, <laughs> well, that thing was I, huge, man. It's, it's ringing I, I, in my head right now. It won't go away. Make it stop. Make it stop. I, I create, <laughs> no, I can't make anything stop. Only you can. I created multi-million dollar companies. You know, Tony Bennett sang one of my jingles. I mean, you wow. know, I mean, I, I've had some amazing things. So what I did was, man, I looked at after I got really healthy and clean and clear, I looked at my life and I said to myself, you know what, man, you're going to stop apologizing or beating yourself up for what happened so far in your life, because what happened so far in your life has gotten you to this point. And so when I talk to you today at 319 Pacific time in Marina del Rey and you in beautiful Costa Rica, right? Yeah, Costa Rica. Right. As I talk to you, I realize that everything that's happened so far in my life, the accumulation, the amalgamation, if you will, of everything that's happened in my life has gotten to me to this point right now. And so what I decided to do was to focus on the good stuff in my life, the good shit, the stuff that really had an impact. And 
not to focus in on poor me. And that's a defining moment for me because there is no poor me. You know, everything that happens in my life, I create. True. So that responsibility piece is definitely something we talk a lot about here and owning our shadows, as you mentioned before, recognizing them, finding them, facing them and riding them is what I like to say. So now you're helping people sculpt their lives and you've sculpted your own life. It sounds like you're sober. You've got that presence. You're mindfully choosing the direction of, of your life. Tell me what you're doing with the sculpting lives. What's that about? So, you know, the whole idea of success in people's life is that the biggest obstacle to that success is themselves. So we all get in our own way. I mean, I'm sure you've gotten your own way, haven't you, bro? All the you're time, right? man, constantly. Okay, but you know how to get out of your own way. See, that's, that's gold. And so what I really kind of, as I was creating this platform and this whole idea around what I want to teach people, you know, I understood that, you know what, the metaphor for sculpting your life is when Michelangelo looked at the block of granite and saw David, what he did was he took everything that was in the way out of the way and there was David. And if anybody's ever seen David on your listeners, I mean, I've seen it. I don't know if you have, Brad. It's an exquisite piece of art and it's a masterpiece. And so I know that each and every one of us is a masterpiece. And so I'm teaching people how to create the masterpiece known as them by sculpting their life, by getting out of their own way. And once you get out of your own way and getting out of your own way, man, means, okay, you know, the sabotaging behavior, the bad habits, the limiting beliefs that you keep buying into. And by the way, the only limiting belief that you believe in are the ones that you make up because there are no limiting beliefs. So once you get away from the whole idea of you are a slave to your circumstances and that everything that happens to you in life happens to you because of something else other than you, then you got a real shot at being successful in whatever you want to be. Because everything in your life happens because of you. And so sculpting your life is designed to teach people how to get out of their own way and to really create mindset, habits, and rituals that help them have success in their life in whatever area of their life that they want to do. And I do that through coaching, training, audio programs, and so forth. Cool. So let's talk about, you know, we all have blocks or, I mean, I just frame them as dragons. I love the uh, the title of the podcast, man. Thank you. I think, you know, there's a lot of layers to a dragon. It's not, not necessarily a bad thing. If you remember in the movie Avatar, or How to Train Your Dragon, once they became friends with the dragons, they realized that that was their greatest gift and their power. They were able to soar around on these things and didn't have to resist and fight anymore. So really, you know, it's interesting. What are these blocks that you find most folks get into? What are the limiting beliefs that most people have? What have you experienced in that? Well, you know, think about it this way. So, Brad, you, you decided you wanted to start this podcast, okay? And I remember when you were doing this, bro, because you and I talked about this. I remember when you were doing this, okay? And I remember when you and I had a conversation about, you know, that you wanted to interview some really out-of-the-box people as opposed to the, all the people that you and I know, which are a lot of people. And so you, you had this great idea, man, and you, you had this vision. So you decided to do it, okay? Now, we all have great visions and we all have great ideas, okay? And so here's the difference between you and me and say somebody who's got a great vision, but it'll never manifest. You had this idea, and the next thing that happens is the most crucial part of an idea. You know, there's the idea, which is part A, and then part C is the result, okay? Part B is the most important part of the whole thing. So Brad has this idea for facing the dragon, okay? The next thing he says to himself, and I don't know if you said it this way, but you said, well, what do I need to do to make it happen? 
So now you're in action. So you made it happen. Most people, when they have an idea, the first thing they say to themselves is, oh, I don't know how to do that. Oh, I don't have the r- enough money or I don't know the right people or blah, blah, blah. That's true. But let me insert this. I said all those things. I just still did it anyway. I kept stepping up, facing yeah, my but crap you, but, and but doing you didn't it. You listen, know? But you didn't <laughs> listen to those things. Hey, listen, bro. You know, you know from all the work that you've done, man, that there's always two voices that are going on in your head simultaneously 24-7. There's the Brad voice, bro, which says, Brad, you are one bad motherfucker, okay? You are awesome, okay? You have a, a gift that the world needs. You are here to serve. You are here to contribute. You got to go out and do it, man. That's, there's that voice. And then there's that little Brad voice which goes, hey, Brad, who do you think you are? You don't know what you're doing. Are you kidding me? Nobody's going to like your podcast. You, did you have that voice by any chance? Over and over and over and over and over again. It never goes away. Right. So what you need to do is you need to dial, you dial down little Brad. Yeah. And you listen to the, your big voice of possibility. And that's what people need to do. And so talk so, about that. How does someone do that? Because I, I'm with you. I mean, we got to find face and ride our dragons. We got to find those little voices, right? And then we've got to face them. And then we need to learn to leverage them or dissolve them. But I don't think they ever really go away. I've, you know, being they never go away, man, bro. They, don't they go never away, go away. Ever. But you can use them to motivate you. You can use them because, you know, fear is a motivator. Fear isn't a block. I mean, it can be if you think it that way. But fear is a motivator, man. You know, I wrote on Facebook today that my biggest fear is that I don't live the life I'm destined to, okay? And what that means to me that, Paul, if you say no to what's in front of you because you're scared, you don't want to make mistakes, you want to look good, blah, blah, then you're never going to have what you want in your life. And so I'm willing to go through whatever I need to go through, okay, to live this life that I've created for myself which allows me to do such amazing things, have such amazing friends as you, have a spiritual community that I'm on a board of directors of that that is a guiding light for me, to have beautiful friends and to do something as my gift and my talent that I love waking up to do every day. That's really pretty incredible, Paul, the network you've created. Are you still the music director at Agape? Are you still involved in Agape? Is that what you're referencing, Agape Spiritual Center? Yeah, I'm on the board of directors. I was never the music director. Ricky, Michael's wife, is the music director. But I helped Ricky in the music ministry. I've actually sang there and so forth as well. But, you know, man, the thing about it is, is that, as I say, so fear is a motivator. And all that stuff, like you say, that stuff is always lurking in your subconscious mind, man. It's always lurking. Okay? And the, the truth is, is that if you continue to give it attention and credence, then it's going to eventually become louder and louder and louder. And so, you know, when I come up with an idea, and this is what I do, man, I'm telling you, Brad, I've got all those other voices that say you can't do it and blah, 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 blah. But I don't listen to those, man, because I'm one of those kind of guys, man. I'm Italian, bro. I throw shit up on the wall and see what sticks, okay? <laughs> is that what it is? I always wondered what the fuck's wrong with you. You're a crazy Italian. I'm kidding. Okay, my, and my mother's 102, okay? <laughs> She's amazing. So my gig is, is that, if I come up with an idea and I want to do something, okay, sometimes I've come up with too many ideas. My team tells me, hey, man, we can't do all those things at once. We'll get to them. And I know we'll get to them. But my whole thing is every time I come up with something that I think has legs, has meat, is worthwhile, and is going to serve, man, because it's all about serving. My, my business consciousness is the following. I want to serve. I want to create great content. 
I want to deliver great value. I want to inspire people to live in their highest potential. And if I do those four things, I'll make money. So I don't think about money as my first object because I know how to make money as you do, Brad. But if you think about money as the at the end all, if you will, and now, of course, money is important. I'm not trying to say it's not. We all know that it is. It's what you do with it that's really important. But, you know, I'm not focused in on how many dollar bills I have on in my wallet or in my bank account. I'm focusing in on how many lives I can change because the world needs people to go out and live in their gift, man, and to share their gift. We're at crazy times now. And I'm not talking political. I'm just talking the world is changing, man. You know, I read something today in uh, I read um, a little piece every day. You know, my morning rituals, I can talk a little bit about that, too. But I read something every day from Michelangelo. And I have a book called Michelangelo Prophecies. Right. And so I read something today in that prophecy, which was and this is Michelangelo. In what I don't know, 1600, whatever the hell it was. Right. Saying that men, of course, they didn't talk men and women back then, but men will eventually be able to talk to each other no matter where they live. But he said through writing. But he's actually talking about, I mean, he's foreseeing the internet, so to speak. You know what I mean? Right. And so I'm telling you, man, we live in a time where at, I'm talking to you. You're in Costa Rica, <laughs> right? Having fun, by the way. And I'm in Marina Del Rey, man. So we are in times where we get the chance to really touch many, many lives. And the thing about what I do and what you do and what we deliver to people in the information that you are providing in this podcast and the work that you do in addition to that and what I do is really about helping people show up in life so that they become part of the fabric and the kaleidoscope and the rainbow of being able to serve the highest good of all. And unless you can buy into that by not listening to that you don't have anything to offer because we all got something to offer, man. Everybody's got a gift. Everybody who listens to this podcast has a gift. Whether or not you've found it yet or have bought into it yet, you eventually will. But every one of us has a gift and no two people are alike. I'm like you, Brad, in a lot of different ways from consciousness. But, you know, I'm not, I mean, I'm not you, Brad, and you're not me. There's no two snowflakes that are the same. There's no two raindrops that are the same. There's no two waves that come in from the ocean that are the same. So we all are unique. And it's in our uniqueness that we get to face and choose the path that we want to walk on. And once you're able to do that, then you're able to engage. See, the whole idea of what I do in, say, the internet marketing world or the marketing world or the world out there is I'm interested in engaging with people. I'm interested in sharing with people. I'm interested in getting people to really let down their defenses and their walls, including me, by the way, so that authenticity comes through and integrity comes through and honesty comes through. And so if you ask me a question, man, I'm going to tell you honestly what it is. Was I a crazy motherfucker? Absolutely. When I was doing what I was doing with drugs and alcohol. Did I burn people? Absolutely. Did I learn lessons? Absolutely. And so, you know, we have the ability, whether we want to believe it or not, we have the ability as human beings to affect the consciousness of the planet. You would agree with that, right? 100%. And so and the only way you're going to do that is if you're authentic and share the real you. 
Okay, and so, so what do you, you, yeah, I was going to yeah. ask, what do you, how do you recommend people actually, what are some action steps that people can take to really get in touch with their unique voice and share it with the world? There's a lot of messengers on here, a lot of speakers, authors, coaches, folks that are afraid to share their message. A lot of the Facial Dragon brand is really focused on understanding and removing the blocks that are in the way from you actually sharing your voice with the world. So what are some action steps people can take to find their uniqueness and share it or remove yeah. the blocks in the way? Right. Hence the title, Face Your Dragon. Okay. Good title, bro. So one of the things that I recommend people to do is, you know, first of all, it's important that you recognize where you are in life. Where are you on your, your lifeline, if you will? And once you are able to understand where you are, whether that's in a relationship, whether that's in your health and fitness, whether that's in your business, whatever it might be, whether it's in your personal uh, life, once you understand where you are, then you have the ability to shift and change so you can get to where you want to go. The biggest thing that people need to understand, again, is that you are your biggest obstacle, so you need to get out of your own way. And by getting out of your own way, what you need to do is you, you got to begin to see yourself as being valuable, okay, as being an instrumental part of, as I said before, the fabric here. And so if you don't give yourself the opportunity to step out and not be worried about what somebody else thinks. I mean, I said something yesterday on Facebook, it might have been this morning, that you know, when somebody's judging you, Brad, you're really judging yourself. I have a whole different take on judgment. I find that anytime someone calls me out for being judgmental, I just smile and go, well, what are you doing? <laughs> so they, Exactly, yeah. right? So it's really important to really understand where you are and understand that you have a direction that you want to go, but unless you get into the whole nitty gritty of the mindset it takes to create what you want in your life, for instance, you've got to understand that your thinking is the biggest block that holds you back. Again, the limitations that you think you have, I don't know enough, I don't have enough. Listen, man, the biggest inventions in life were created by people that didn't know enough about what they created. They came by, by accident. You got to be not afraid to make mistakes because when you make mistakes, then you learn. And when you learn, then it's like, you know, it's like think and grow rich. Napoleon Hill says, you know, knowledge is knowledge, but action is what you need to do with your knowledge. So once you've learned where you've maybe made a mistake and you can learn from a mistake, you'll never make it again. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and trying to get and getting the same result, right? Expecting a different result, but yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, And it's like, you know, I have this quote on my wall, you know, about Edison. You know, somebody asked him, you know, hey, Tom, I don't know if they said, hey, Tom, but, you know, hey, uh, why did you keep on to invent the light bulb when you really failed 10,000 times? He said, I didn't fail 10,000 times, I just found 10,000 ways not to do it. Got it. So there's many ways to do things. And let's talk about that because there's sometimes I'm just in massive action mode and other times much more intentional about actions. But getting this podcast live was one of those episodes where I just frankly threw a little bit of self-care to, to the wind and was really focused on execution. Well, what, do you mean and, by, what do you mean by that? Well, I would wake up and work until I couldn't really work anymore and go to sleep. <laughs> wake up, work. I mean, I just was just in beast right, mode. Right. And I'm fine with that because I know that once in a while you have to do that and I'm okay with it. It wasn't. You, you did it because you wanted to do it, man, because you knew that was what your outcome wanted to be. You did it because you, Brad Axelrod, wanted to create this platform where you got to share your, you know, you don't just interview people, bro. Trust me. I've listened to your episodes. You teach my man. Okay. <laughs> You That's teach. true. And so this is a platform. 
This is one of many of your parts of your platform. And so you did it, man, because you knew that was what you had to do. That's because you knew where you were and what you wanted. Exactly and you right. knew that what you wanted, this is what you had to do. Yeah, you could have like, hey, I work for three hours and I didn't have a pina colada, whatever, blah, blah. And, you know, six months from now, you know, you'd still be setting the freaking thing up. Yep. But right now, what you needed to do was this. And so sleep is overrated, although we do need to sleep. Don't get me wrong. But you had a vision, bro. And I want to commend you. You had a vision. You had a mission. You had a purpose. And you didn't let anything get in your way. Now, there was, I'm sure, some days, bro, where it was like shit didn't happen the way you wanted it to. And you probably went into this poor me, blah, blah, for a minute. But, bro, I'm talking to you on a podcast right now, okay? About Facing the Dragon. And it's brought to you by Brad Axelrod. I want to celebrate you for that, man. Uh, thank you, brother. I'm all about that. I'm all about celebration, but also acutely aware of the fact that when we're that focused and that committed to something, we're unstoppable. And I, you know, through the fears, through the back pain, through the whatever it was to get this thing live, like I really challenge people to do that. But also there's another way. And that other way is to have a nice morning ritual to really ease into the day. I had my ritual this morning, did some yoga, some stretching and meditation. It's been a while since I've done it. It felt really good to kind of get back in that. And I, I'm curious to hear what your morning ritual is because not everybody has one or has ever even heard of that term. So I'm curious, what do you do quickly in, in your morning ritual? Well, first of all, as you know, ritual is important, okay, because you've got to be able to direct your mind to where you want it to go. So I've done the same thing every morning for years. I wake up in the morning. First thing I do is I thank God for giving me the opportunity to wake up. I do a gratitude exercise. I drink a beautiful glass of water. I get out of bed and I do a 30-minute tuning in process, which is part of my Sculpting Your Life platform. It's called Good Morning, Great Day. And I tune into where my energy is, where I need to shift it, and what I want to create for the day so I have a plan for my day. And then I go into the kitchen. I make a fresh glass of grapefruit juice. I put some Oceans Alive oregano oil and some other cool shit in it, okay, for my health. And then I juice. I make a cup of Bulletproof coffee. I play with my animals. And now I go to the gym. And I've done that every day for I don't know how many years. And I don't change it. And it just gets me ready, man. Because you know what? Unless you have a plan in your life, and some people go, well, you know, I'm spontaneous. You can be spontaneous and have a plan too, by the way, just in case you didn't know that. But I know what I want to create. I know where I want to end up and I know what I want and I know how to get there provided I give myself the roadmap to do that. And again, that's one of the things that I teach. But most people, you know, fly by the seat of their pants and most people do the same thing every day, but it's the wrong thing every day. <laughs> yeah. So, well, addictions get in the way, right? We've got our addictions, whatever they may but, be. Yeah. You know, yeah. limited thinking is an addiction. Yeah. I'm still blown away by the individuals. And I know this is going to challenge many people on the podcast, but I, I like to think that a lot of what we're doing here is challenging old ways of being and belief structures and, you know, waking up and needing your cup of coffee in order to be functional. That's an interesting thing. That's, I would call that an addiction, first of all. But second of all, like not having any other option to get the same amount or more energy in the morning is kind of a limiting belief. I believe that, you know, I get up, I have the same smoothie every morning. It's got spirulina and chia seed, flaxseed, avocado, plant protein, alkaline water, berries, kale, almonds, 
coconut oil. Like that's what I have every morning. And if you think a cup of coffee is going to give you more energy than that, you're smoking something or you should be smoking something. Absolutely. So all I'm saying in that is that, you know, guys, I'm challenged the listeners to, you know, take a look at your morning ritual. What are you doing in the morning? You know, I mean, I just admitted that I've been just getting right to work when normally I would stretch, slow down, you know, find 10 things to be grateful for and kind of sit in the gratitude. But I mean, you're doing the same thing, Paul, every day, day after day. There's so much power in that. You know? Yeah, here, here's what I'm, you know, what, what you're doing is great too. And again, Brad, it goes back to the whole unique beingness of people. Okay, what's good for Brad is good for Brad. What's good for Paul is good for Paul. Now, Brad and Paul could share stories, okay? I'm going, oh, that's kind of cool. Maybe I'll try your smoothie and maybe you'll try mine because I make them too. But from the standpoint of what works for you, works for you. I know that if I devote the first hour of my day to me, I don't look at my phone. I don't look at my email. I have no electronics in my bedroom. I don't have any of that shit, bro. Because if somebody wants to get in touch, I get up at five in the morning. I'm early. I'm an early bird. I know you are too. But you know, if somebody wants to get in touch with me, they'll get in touch with me. But I need to devote the first hour of my day to me to get me right for my day. Yeah. Once I'm right for my day, then I can go out and give it my best, man. Because that's all I can do is give it my best. That's good. Always do your best. But I remember I was at an Evan Pagan event a couple years ago in Chicago, and he made the point about morning rituals. He said, if you don't do it in the morning, it's unlikely you're ever going to do it. And to start the day off with that power is so good. All right. So let's pause on that. Where does everybody find you, Paul? A couple of places. You can go to the Success Creation Institute. I always wanted to have an institute. SuccessCreationInstitute.com. <laughs> I did, man. Or you can go to Sculptations, which is S-C-U-L-P. T-A-T-I-O-N-S dot com, which is my brain entrainment product. And you can go there and get something for free there. And, you know, I'm an open book, man. So anytime anybody on this podcast wants anything or has a question for me or whatever, you know, Brad will know that you can always get in touch with me. I mean, I, my personal email is paulhoffman24 gmail.com. Boy, that's courageous, buddy, because if this thing gets a million listens, you're going to... Hey, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you, excuse me. What do you mean if? Yeah, I'm not a language guy. You listen to Craig Shoemaker and our conversation about language. I, yeah, so, that, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just, you know... Yeah, if you, if, I, listen, if listen and try. Those words are in the English language for a reason, because you might try something. There's truth to that. But anyway, all right. So what's the final sort of tip you can leave everybody with here? <laughs> Don't use the word try or if. <laughs> or but. Um, that's a good question, man. What I would leave you all with is that, you know, understand that who you are and what you have to offer to the world is so very important to not only who you are as a human being, as a person, but to being able to really move the conversation on the planet to a place that serves the highest purpose of all. And the thing that you need to recognize the most is when you get up every day, You've got two choices. I like to tell people that life's an either-or principle, Brad. Either you're going to do it or you're not. I mean, it's not rocket science. So when you get up in the morning, you know, there's two ways for you to get up. Either you can get up and say, oh, my God, it's another day. I just, I hope it goes okay. Or you can get up in the morning and say, I'm going to make this a great day. And if you're really hesitant or a little hesitant about starting something, here's a little bit of a trick for you. As a musician, I knew that when we would start playing on the downbeat, but we go one, two, three, four, boom, play. So just say to yourself, one, two, three, four, start. And go out and create, man. Go out and sculpt the masterpiece known as you. Do not wait for circumstances to be the way you want them to be 
because they're never going to be that way unless you create them. Yeah, and even you know that saying, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. So we got <laughs> we got to be flexible, right? And create along the way, co-create and and be flexible. Absolutely. Cool, man. Paul, it's been great having you, brother. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm excited to share this with the crew, and I'm curious what theme will come out of it as I craft the uh, script. We'll see. Oh, I can't wait. I know it's going to be unbelievable. <laughs> Thanks again, brother. Appreciate All right, it. man. Love you, bro. I love you too, man. I want to thank our guest for sharing his heart and brilliance with us. Thank you, Paul Hoffman. We're all so grateful for your contribution to the world. You can find out more about Paul at successcreationinstitute.com. As we dive deeper into facing your dragon, I want to offer the opportunity for you to discover the number one hidden fear stopping you from earning what you're worth. Be sure to take the one-minute quiz at couragequiz.com. And if there's something here I mentioned you want to review again, keep in mind we keep all the notes for you, including links to everything we've talked about today. You can find the show notes for this episode at faceyourdragon.com forward slash episode 021. And finally, I would like to invite you to subscribe and leave a five-star review for the Face Your Dragon podcast by visiting faceyourdragon.com forward slash subscribe. Be sure to share this episode with your tribe on social media if it was useful for you. We'd love that. And join our conversation in the Face Your Dragon Facebook group as we talk more about your greatest fears being the very thing that will set you free. Tune in episode two because I'll be talking with my dear friend and fellow Association of Transformational Leader, Terry Tillman. It's a deep conversation and Terry's been in the space of transformation for over 40 years. He started way back in the S days in Lifespring and has admitted that he came up with the comfort zone concept. This incredible being and many more on the Face Your Dragon podcast. See you on the next show. And remember, when you face your dragon and take the leap, you will break free.